Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. If you were to be asked the question of all the people that we read about in the scriptures, who is the greatest? Now, in actuality, your opinion and my opinion doesn't matter. What's important is God's perspective. And we don't have to speculate or wonder because Yeshua, the Son of God, He tells us specifically who is the greatest. And what was His answer? John the Baptist. And we should be asking ourselves, why? What was it about John the Baptist? Well, we're going to answer that in this week's study. So take out your Bible and look with me to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 7. The Gospel of Luke and chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 18. Now, remember something. Yeshua had been doing great miracles. And these miracles were signs and wonders that confirmed not only his teaching, but also his identity. What identity? That he is the Lord's anointed. As I said earlier, the very Son of God. And therefore, we should respond to him in that way. Nothing good is going to happen in your life until you recognize him for whom he truly is is well let's begin look at that 18th verse where it says and his disciples that is the disciples of john they proclaimed to him concerning all of these things again what things they were proclaiming to john what they had seen what they had heard concerning yeshua all those miracles, all those things that he taught. And John heard them from, as it says here, his disciples. Verse 19. Notice what John did in response to what he had heard. And by the way, we all know that verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Verse 19. And John, he called two of his disciples. Now, there's a word in the Greek language for two specific, two particular disciples. And he sent these two disciples to Yeshua, saying, so he sent them to Messiah with a proclamation to be said. And what was that proclamation? Well, it says here in the last part of verse 19, it's a question. Are you the one who is coming or another we should expect? Now, let me tell you what many commentators say. 
They say that John, and we know something, the reason why John didn't go to Yeshua personally is because he was in prison. And therefore, he could not. And there are those who think that John, he was having some, some crises of faith. He was no longer sure who Yeshua was. That is not what John was thinking. John was not having any crises of faith. Remember, in a few minutes, we're going to see that it was Yeshua, the Son of God, who gets everything right that said concerning John, of those who are born of women, no one is greater than, the, than that of John the Baptist. So he wouldn't be saying that if John was having some crises of faith. Quite the contrary. John was arriving at the right understanding of Yeshua. There was nothing uncertain in his mind. He sent these two disciples because he wanted to clarify something. Remember, numbers are important in the Bible. And the number two speaks of two different opinions. And what two different opinions are we talking about? Well, in Judaism, they teach that there are two messiahs. Messiah, the son of Joseph, and that speaks to a suffering servant. But they also speak to Messiah, the son of David. And that is that righteous ruling king, that savior that is going to defeat the enemies of God, the enemies of Israel as well, and establish a kingdom. And what was John concluding? Well, remember, all of these things, what Messiah was doing, he had heard. And therefore, he was arriving at a conclusion, not that there's two messiahs, but rather there's only one. And you know what? John was right. There is only one messiah. He comes the first time for one purpose, and that is to suffer. But when he returns, and he is returning, he's coming for a different purpose, and that is to bring the judgment of God, which will defeat the enemies of Israel. And he will establish that kingdom. That's what Messiah is going to do. And John, in that question, look again into verse 19. Are you the one who is coming or another we should expect? Verse 20. So he sent these two disciples with that question. And notice what it says in verse 20. The men, that is these two disciples having arrived to him, meaning to Yeshua, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, and they perfectly state that question. Same thing in the verse 20. Are you the one who is coming or another we should expect? Now again, John was not doubting. He wasn't confused. He heard the testimony concerning the miracles and the specific miracles that Yeshua was doing. And he was arriving at the right, the proper, the correct conclusion that there's not two messiahs, but there's only one. He is there, but he's also the one who is coming 
at the end of the age to establish that kingdom. That is what John is asking through these two men. And notice what happens. Verse 21. But in that same hour when they came, what was Messiah doing? It says, he healed many from diseases and afflictions. And by the way, that word here for affliction is a very strong word. It is related to that same word for being flogged in a most brutal manner. So people who have diseases, people who are suffering greatly, and those who have evil spirits. And it says here, the blind ones, many blind ones, he, and what does it say? Do a good study of this next verb. It is the word grace in a verbal form. So he was giving them grace. And what did that grace give them? The ability to see again. Now, what does grace accomplish? Grace, God's grace, brings about a restoration to the purposes of God so that we can fulfill the intent of God. God created us not to be sick, not to be afflicted by evil spirits, not to be blind, and therefore through the grace of God, we will see restoration. We will experience that healing. Now, sometimes for signs and wonders, it happens in this age. But if you are handicapped, if you are, are lacking something, the ability to see or hear, realize something. That's true in this fallen world, but in the kingdom of God, you will experience a complete, a full restoration. There's not going to be anyone blind or deaf or handicapped in the kingdom of God. In this world, this fallen world affected by sin, yes. Do some get healed? Yes, I believe in healing. But does that mean everyone will be healed? No, it does not. Why some? Why not others? That's up to God. But we see in this case, through the unique time of Messiah's visitation here in this world, we see that people were being healed, many from various diseases, afflictions, unclean spirits, and the blinds, many of those who were blind. The grace of God gave them the ability to see. Verse 22, And Yeshua answered and said to them, Go and proclaim to John what you see, also what you hear. And what is that? Well, notice what Yeshua said to tell John. And that is that the blind see, that the cripple walk, the lepers their cleanse, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, meaning raised from the dead, and the poor they hear good news, and that's that word for gospel. They are hearing, those who are poor are hearing a message of, of good news concerning the kingdom of God. Verse 23, and blessed is the one who is not offended. 
That is a word in Greek where we get the English word scandal. Blessed are those who are not scandaled, meaning are offended or stumble over, over me. So we need to realize the key to kingdom experience, both in this world and certainly in the age to come, is Messiah. And if you are offended, if the gospel is something scandalous to you, well, simply you are not going to have that kingdom hope. This is what Messiah is revealing. Look now to the next verse, verse 24. But after these uh, messengers went away of John. So these two messengers that belonged to John, two of his disciples, they went away. And what happened? Yeshua began to speak to the crowd concerning John. Now, this is a, a stamp of approval from Messiah himself concerning John the Baptist. And why it is so unfortunate and incorrect to think that he was having some crises of faith. After these messengers of John went away, he began to speak to the crowds, and there were numerous multitudes there concerning John. And he asked this question. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Now, John's ministry was in the wilderness or the desert area of Judea. Not far from the Dead Sea, in a very barren place. And why was he there where many people went to this location, into the desert? Because they knew, based upon the corruption of the leadership of Israel at that time, they're working in agreement with the Roman Empire that God's judgment was coming. And they were right. Because 40 years after the resurrection, God's judgment fell upon Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed and even to this day, it has not been rebuilt. And he says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A, a reed by the wind being shaken? Is that why you went out there? And if you've been to that area, you know that, that along the Jordan River, there are many reeds. Verse 25. But what did you go out to see? A man in, and this next word means uh, luxurious, those of splendor garments having been dressed. Is that why we would go out to that location? And of course, the answer is certainly not. They didn't go out to see a reed shaken. They didn't go out there expecting to find some man dressed in fine apparel, luxurious clothes. John, what do we know about John? John wore sandals, just common shoes. And he wore a camel hair garment. Now, for some today, for example, a camel hair sport coat is rather costly. But back in that day, camel's hair couldn't be treated as it can now. And it was really garbage. No one would want to wear camel's hair because 
it was highly uncomfortable. And why did John wear it? Because it was, was cheap. No one wanted it. You just went and found that hair, and he made his garment. But what is emphasized is that he had a belt that girded him, and being girded was an idiom for a servant. When Messiah, when he, on that night that he was betrayed, when he washed the feet of his disciples, what did he do? He took a towel and girded himself, and therefore he then served. So John, he wasn't interested in inexpensive clothes. He didn't wear such things. He didn't eat a fine gourmet meal. We know that he ate locusts that were dipped in honey, and the honey they're talking about is a date honey, which is, again, made from dates that you find on the ground. He didn't spend money on the things of this world. He was not seeking the finer things of this world. What was he concerned with? The kingdom of God. And that's why God used him. So it says, Behold, the ones in glorious garments, and that's literally what it says, they are in luxury, where? In the palaces of kings. That's where they are. They're not out in the wilderness of Judea, in those desert areas. Look now to verse 26. He asks again a third time, but what did you go out to see? And here's the right answer. A prophet. Yea, I say to you that more than a prophet. Meaning he's just not a prophet. He has a more important purpose. And that is to do what? Announce Messiah. To be that forerunner. And that's exactly what we see. Look if you would to verse 27. This is what has been written concerning whom? Meaning this has been written concerning John. Saying for to you. A greater prophet has not uh, been born of woman. Greater than who? No prophet greater that has been born of women, meaning in a natural way, of course, Messiah. He was born in a supernatural way, a virgin conceived. But John was born in a regular way. There was a, a proclamation. But nevertheless, we see that God moved upon this, this mother of his, Elizabeth. But nevertheless, we don't see it as a virgin conceiving. We see a barren woman conceiving. And of those who, like Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov, the children of Israel, those who are born of women, God moved, certainly. But those who are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than who? John the Baptist. That's what the scripture is telling us. And behold, I send, and this is the scripture, what's been written. Behold, I send my messenger before your presence. Why? That he should prepare the way, your way, before you. Meaning that John goes before Yeshua. He's that forerunner in order to prepare the way for the very Son of God. And that's why 
he has this special task because John was fully committed to the things of God. And we see that his diet reflected that, eating simple things. His dress reflected that, not spending excess money on clothes. He was a simple man, not given over to the things of this world, not living in palaces and such, but dwelling in the desert. Why? Because he did not want to be around those who were full of corruption because John was interested in righteousness and that is being kingdom minded. So let me ask you a question. Are you such a person committed to the things of God, emphasizing kingdom truth rather than the false propaganda of this world, the lies of this world? What does the scripture say? We'll keep looking at the next verse, verse 28. For I say to you, of those who are born of women, not a greater prophet than who? John the Baptist. There's simply not a greater one than John the Baptist. Now look at the next part of verse 28, where it says, but the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Why? Well, John was a great man of God here. But the one who will be in the kingdom of God will be greater than him, even the least in the kingdom of God. Why? Because they have received the redemption. And through the redemption of Messiah, we become a new creation. We all know that expression, we are born again. What does that mean? We are regenerated. We do not live as we once did, but we become a new man, a new woman. And that new word is related to the kingdom. I've shared that many times. That word new is a kingdom word. We think about the new covenant. We think about the new Jerusalem. We think about the newness. When John looked at the new Jerusalem and said, behold, All things are new. So we become that new man, that new woman. For what purpose? To live according to kingdom truth. And that's why he says, but the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Verse 29, our last verse. And all the people heard also The tax collectors justified God. What does that mean? Well, in this case, justified God means they agreed with God. In other words, they saw things from the perspective of God. They turned and changed to have a godly perspective. And why is that so significant? Why is it mentioned in this verse? Because tax collectors... Well, they were betrayers of their people. They sided and became employees of the Roman Empire, an empire of of oppression, an empire that was pagan, an empire that was not pleasing to God. So why would they do that? Why would they become in alliance with the enemy? And the answer is very simple, because of money. 
They were seeking the benefits that they could receive in this world through being wealthy. But what happens when they heard the teachings of Messiah? When they heard the call of John the Baptist, who went forth before him preparing the way and spoke about a baptism of repentance, many of these tax collectors, they went out. And when it says they justified God, it simply means that they agreed with what God's will is. They agreed with the world, word of God and the perspective of God. They changed. But here's the problem. So many of the leaders, they did not. And we remember what it says in the scripture, that John, when he was going and doing that baptism, many of the leaders came forth. And how did he speak to those corrupt leaders? And here again, this is not an indictment against the Jewish people, but rather particular leaders. And what did John say? He says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Well, let's conclude. Notice what it says. And all the people heard and the tax collectors justified God, meaning they agreed with God. And what happened? They were coming to the baptism of John. They were responding to this call to what? To repent. And again, repentance begins with saying, I affirm, I agree, I accept the standards of God. And why is it so important that we do that? Because when I affirm God's standards, and by the way, where, where do we find God's standards? Real simple, in his commandments. And when you study the commandments in the scripture, specifically the law of Moses, you know what the purpose is? Two things. To show us our unrighteousness. To confirm to us that we are a sinful people in need of redemption. And to do what? Well, Paul taught that. To drive us not to works, but to drive us like Abraham was to faith. Abraham believed in God and that faith, that believing in the word of God did something. It brought about a change. It caused Avraham to be declared righteous. And that's the kingdom change that you should be interested in. Being declared righteous by God and not just being declared, but by becoming that new creation, that new man, that new woman, being born again, you ought to be committed to righteousness. Not just being accepted by God through the righteousness of the Son, which is placed upon you, but doing righteousness, testifying of the righteousness of God by doing His will. Because when you are in the will of God, you are going to experience God's presence and that you are going to know the joy of the Lord. And that joy of the Lord will give you strength in order to persevere and accomplish God's will. And there is nothing better than being in God's will, having done God's will. Why? Because this manifests his glory. And that's why you were created and that's why you have been saved. Well, I'll close with that until next time. Shalom.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.